0: Good morning. My name is Matt Sprinkle, and I'm the associate pastor here. I'm glad you're joining us for our last sermon in our series, The Pursuit. Over the last several weeks and over the last couple of months, we've been looking at the topic of wisdom. How to get it? Uh, wisdom in the Bible is the ability to make plans and accomplish those plans in a way that is right before God and just before people. And we all want wisdom. We all want skill. And so in the first series that we did, we talked about what wisdom is. And in this series, we've been looking at how you get it, how you pursue it. And today, as I close our series, I'm going to be talking about the steward and the stewards of wisdom. Where do you find wisdom? Who, who is the steward of it? Who has custody of it, so to speak? Um, uh, several years ago, we were uh, worshiping at the Diamond Bar Center in Diamond Bar, California. That's where Church in the Valley was meeting at the time. And uh, our pastor was preaching, and then afterwards, I was in the foyer, and I was talking to a man who had come uh, that Sunday. It was his first Sunday. He was being very critical of what was uh, taught uh, from the scriptures that morning. And I was getting irritated by that, uh, the criticism. And his criticism was, you know, why do you need to be a part of a church? Why do you need to be a member of a church? Why do you need to go on Sundays and do corporate worship? Don't you believe, he asked me, don't you believe that you're a part of the universal priesthood of God, that you've been made a part of the nation of priests, and don't you believe you have a direct line to talk to God? Don't you believe you can read the Bible and figure out what it means for yourself? Now, this question he was asking me is actually a real common sentiment today. There are a lot of people who are Christians, but they're not incorporated, they're not a part of a local church, a local body. And he was telling me that, you know, I can read the Bible myself, I can watch pastors online, I can do podcasts and books, I can essentially be my own pastor. That's what he was saying. And I asked him, I said, you know, the Apostle Paul, he wrote a large portion of the New Testament. And even the Apostle Paul, when he was uh, being criticized for what he was preaching, what he was teaching from the scriptures, and remember, Paul wrote inspired scripture. Uh, Some of the the Jews in his time were, were saying that what he was teaching was not true, it was heresy. Even the Apostle Paul went to Jerusalem and submitted his teaching to James and John and Peter, to the leaders of the church. And he asked the leaders of the church... Am I teaching heresy? Am I wrong? Am I crazy? I mean, this is what the Lord Jesus told me to go do, but I'm being told it's not. He went and submitted his teaching to the church because he wanted to make sure that it was true. He wanted to make sure it was right. He wanted to make sure that he was lined up with God's will. This is a, this is a big question. Should we be involved in church? Who needs the church? Why should we go to church? Why would anybody become a member of a church anyway? What I'd like to do in this closing message is I'd like to talk about the stewardship that God has given us, the church on earth, and specifically our church, our local church, Church in the valley. Why would you go to a church? Why would you be a part of a church? There are many reasons you find in the scriptures, and they're all tied to wisdom. And if you want wisdom, if you want the ability to make plans that are successful, if you want to make progress in life, if you want all that wisdom means, then you need to go to the place where you can find wisdom, and that is found in the church. You might be thinking, well, isn't wisdom found in the Bible? Isn't wisdom found in the Holy Spirit? I mean, do I really have to be a part of church to get wisdom? Yes, you do. And my hope is that at the end of this message, you'll see why, based on the Word of God. So let's go ahead and dig in. Why would anyone become a member of a church? First answer is, the Bible is in the church. The Bible is in the church. I want to read you a passage of the the letter to the Roman church, written by Paul. And in the third chapter, he's writing to Jewish Christians. And these Jewish Christians have just been told that Jews and Gentiles are all condemned before God for their sin, that no man is right before God by any work they do. The Jews were feeling really cocky when Paul was telling the Gentiles that they were destined for eternal destruction unless they repented. The Jews were like, yeah, Paul, get him, Paul. You're right, Paul. But then Paul turned his attention to the Jews in the second chapter, and he pointed out that they were not justified either. And so then the Jews asked this question, well, then what benefit is there in being a Jew? And here's what Paul said about the people of God, the Jews, the people of God, at that time. In Romans 3, he says, then what advantage has the Jew? Or what is the value of circumcision, which is a part of becoming the Jewish people, being a part of the body uh, of believers at that time, the Jewish nation? What advantage is it? Paul says, much in every way. To begin with, the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. If you go back in time 3000 years and you want to hear God speaking, you want to hear God's words, you want to know what God thinks, where do you go? Do you go to Greece? Do you go to China? Do you go to South America? Do you go up to Britannia? No. You go to this little nation in the Middle East called Israel. Because out of all the nations of the world, God selected that nation actually created that nation from all the other nations and that is the place he gave his word that's where the word of god the oracles of god the prophecies of god the law of god the commands of god the designs of god everything that god had revealed through his words that was given to one nation and one nation alone israel israel was the people of god now today the church the church is the people of god rather the church has grown out of true israel The church is the people of God today, and there are Jews who follow Jesus, and there are Gentiles who follow Jesus, and they're all one in the church. And just like the Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God, the church has been entrusted with the Bible. If you want to know what God has to say, if you want to know what the Bible teaches, do you go to Silicon Valley? Do you go to Hollywood? Do you go to your public school where you can't even talk about Jesus? Do you go to your business? Do you go to Washington, D.C.? Where is... The teaching, the instruction, the prophecy, the commands, the designs of God. Where is that being taught? That's taught in the church. That's where. Now you might be thinking, well, no, I mean, I've learned about, you know, the Bible from this DVD, uh, series that I bought online. Yeah, but who created that? Well, it was, uh, it was a, it was a pastor. Right. A pastor of a church. Well, no, it wasn't a pastor. It was a, it was a Christian PhD. Right. A Christian PhD who was led to Christ and brought up in Christ. In a church. There's no separating the scriptures from the church. The scriptures in the church are not the same thing, but if you want the Bible, you go to the the institution that God has established on earth, where the word of God is going to come out, and that is the Bible. I'm sorry, that is the church. And that's why it says in 1 Timothy 3, again, Paul says about the church and the Bible, about the church and the truth, Paul says this, I hope to come to you soon, Timothy, but I'm writing these things so that if I am delayed, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, which is a pillar and buttress of the truth, a pillar and buttress of the truth. The church is a pillar and buttress of the truth. Now, if you've ever seen Notre Dame Cathedral, if you think about France and the hunchback of Notre Dame, maybe you can picture it in your mind, it's this massive church, and there's these structures on the side that kind of look like this. They hold up the walls. Those are called buttresses. And then there's these pillars that are holding up the cathedral. In our world, the truth, the truth, how things really are, what's right and wrong, what's good and bad, what's up and down, the truth is being upheld and reinforced by the church. That's one of the functions of the church. We the church, the institution of the church, is the place where true justice is taught. Maybe you saw the Kyle Rittenhouse trial this last week. One of the things you notice about the Kyle Rittenhouse trial is that the justice system of the United States, well, it's very different than justice over the centuries. In the United States, you have to have witnesses testify to prove that you were guilty. In the United States, you're innocent until proven guilty. In the United States, you don't have to testify against yourself. In the United States, there's a jury system where your testimony is being heard before a jury. And if one person, just one person says, I don't believe you're guilty, you get off. This whole judicial system that we have comes from the scriptures. The reason why Jesus was silent at his trial before the high priests was because under Jewish law, you have no obligation to convict yourself or condemn yourself. The Jewish high priests who condemned Jesus, they had to bring witnesses and it had to be at least two witnesses. And every witness the high priest brought against Jesus, they were contradictory stories. Jesus was silent because he had the right to remain silent, and that's because God gives that right through his people, Israel, through the word of God, and that biblical law has translated down through the centuries to the United States. Your justice system and the justice of it comes from the scriptures, and the churches are the place that proclaim justice from the word of God. We teach what true justice is. We teach what true impartiality is. So you want justice? You want the world to know the truth about justice? They have to know the scriptures, the Bible, and that comes out of the churches. It doesn't come out of Washington, D.C. It doesn't come out of Silicon Valley. It doesn't come out of Wall Street. Those different centers of power are not proclaiming and not teaching biblical justice. It's not even a criticism against them. That's not their function. It's the church's function to teach biblical justice. What about morality, right? What about morality? There's all this talk today about morality, but by what standard? By what standard is something wrong or right? There's lots of people today that talk about tolerance, but everybody's intolerant of something. Do you tolerate murder? Do you tolerate abusing children? Do you tolerate uh, uh, terrorism? No, of course, everybody's intolerant of something. The question isn't whether you're going to be intolerant. The question is, which things are you going to be intolerant of? Now, who is qualified to teach the human race what is good and bad, right and wrong, just and unjust? The answer is God, through his word. And the church, just like Israel in the past, has been entrusted with the oracles of God, with the word of God. We are the pillar and buttress of the truth in the word, in the world. And so, yeah, you do need to go to church and be a part of the church to hear the truth, to get the scriptures. It's in the life of the church that this happens. And then it overflows into the household and it overflows into the civil realm of the state and it overflows into our community and into our commerce. The church is upstream of all cultural institutions downstream. The church is upstream from the family and upstream from civil magistrates and upstream from the economic system and upstream from public education and upstream from Hollywood. It's the church that is to proclaim the truth. And this is the appointed um, job description for the church. That's one of the reasons why you should go to church. We're the stewards of wisdom. What about the gospel? The gospel's in the church. How do you learn to be saved? How do you learn about um, how to come into a relationship with God? How, How do you find out that God has sent his son Jesus to pay the price for your sin so that you don't have to pay that price, that he's died the death you deserve, and he's lived the righteous life that you were supposed to live, and on your behalf he has died and risen again? How do you come into the family of God? How do you get adopted? You are spiritual orphans by nature, by birth, cut off from God, and yet God is adding to his family Millions upon millions upon millions of people. He's adopting millions upon millions and millions of people. How do you become adopted? Well, you need to hear the gospel. And the gospel is in the church. And there's no wisdom without the gospel. There's no wisdom without the gospel. Jesus is Lord is the gospel, boiled down. Jesus is Lord. He's our Lord and Savior. And we, the church, are the ones who are proclaiming it to a dying world. And there's no wisdom when you don't say Jesus is Lord. Because here's why. Because the Lord Jesus is ruling heaven and earth. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Jesus said. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. The most important person in any room is the Lord Jesus. The most important factor in any decision is the will of God. The person who's in charge of all of it and leading it all to its uh, pre-appointed conclusion is the Lord. So, yeah, if you're going to be wise, you need to know him. If you're going to be wise, you should be adopted into the family of God, where God directs you and protects you and provides for you and corrects you. That's true wisdom. How do you get that? You get that by believing, believing that God has offered you eternal life in his son and by following the Lord Jesus. And who teaches that? Who proclaims that? Do you learn that at school? Do you learn that in Washington, D.C.? Do you learn that in Silicon Valley? Do you learn that in Hollywood? Which institution has been given the job by God to proclaim the gospel? The church. The gospel is in the church, and there's no wisdom without the gospel. Something else that's interesting about this, about the gospel in the church, is in Corinthians chapter 1, verses 30 to 31, it says, And because of him you who are in Christ, Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. We looked at this last week. Pastor Reddy talked about this last week. You want to be able to be really good at fixing your car. That takes some wisdom. Maybe you want to be really good at baseball. There's a certain wisdom there. You know, you want to be really good at, at, at getting a, a young woman to fall in love with you so you can marry her. And you, you try to figure out how to, how to be attractive to the opposite sex. That, that takes some wisdom, for sure. But you know what really is required for life? Righteousness. Because your life on this earth is like this long. And the life eternal, the, the life to, to come is a lot longer. And you need to be right before God. When you stand before God, you need righteousness, and that righteousness is in Christ. You need sanctification. Everyone knows there's things in them that are not good. Everyone can list their faults. How are you going to, over time, progressively become more and more and more like Jesus Christ? How do you become more and more like the image of God you're created to be? How do you become purified from sin and all the junk in your life? How do you become sanctified? Well, that is something that God does for you when you become one of his children. So true wisdom is becoming adopted into the family of God so that the spirit of God can sanctify you. That's real wisdom. Over the course of your life, my money's on that person. So you see, there is no wisdom outside the church because there's no gospel outside the church. The gospel is preached inside the church, out to a dying world. Something else, another reason why uh, you should be a part of a local church, another reason why the church is the steward of wisdom is the spirit of God is in the church. The Holy Spirit is in the church. The Holy Spirit is not in Silicon Valley. The Holy Spirit is not in Hollywood. The Holy Spirit is not in Washington, D.C. I don't mean that there aren't Christians in all those places who are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, but the church is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The church is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when we gather together as a congregation at Church in the Valley on the Lord's Day, on Sunday, when we gather together as a congregation, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you see this in the scriptures. Here's what it says in First Corinthians chapter three, verse sixteen and seventeen. It says, "Do do you not know that you are God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. If you're off on your own, just doing your own thing, you know, you got your favorite pastor on a podcast, and you're reading this book that you like, and you've kind of become your own pastor." your own spiritual leader. You just do your own thing. You're like a body part disconnected from the body, right? You're, you're a priest who's not in the temple. You should be a part of the temple, a part of the body of Christ, where the Spirit of God dwells. You're, you're to take your place in the body of Christ. And the Spirit of God is working and speaking and acting and healing and, and moving inside the life of the church. So you want to get into the stream. That's where the hot spot is. Think of your wireless hotspot. You can have a wireless hotspot in the center of your house and then get way out in the backyard and your phone isn't picking up the signal anymore. That's what it's like to be a Christian who's not a part of a local church. I don't mean that you're not connected to God or that you're not indwelled by the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit, he's a person and he wants you to be a part of his church. And so he is quenched. His power, which he is flowing through into you, is quenched when you are in disobedience, and you're in disobedience if you're not a part of a local church, because the entire New Testament, every single letter is written with the assumption that you are a part of a local church, playing your part in the body, playing your part in the temple. This is where the Spirit of God shines. And guess what? There is no wisdom without the Spirit. Ephesians 1, 16 through 17 says, I do not cease to give thanks to you, remembering you in my prayers, that God the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Do you want to know God better? Do you want the knowledge of him? Do you want the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God? Do you want to know God better? And do you want to be given more wisdom? Well, according to the word of God, inspired by the spirit of God, this is given to the church. Because in this verse I just read, I do not cease to give thanks For you, the you in that sentence is not you and me individually. This is being written to a church in Ephesus. Paul is standing before the whole congregation in the spirit, right? Because they're reading this letter to the congregation that he wrote. But so imagine Paul's there in the spirit. And he's saying to all of you gathered believers, to the whole temple of the Holy Spirit, to this church in Ephesus, I want all of you to receive wisdom and knowledge of God. And that will be given to you together. Wisdom is given by the spirit and there's no wisdom without the spirit and the spirit indwells his people and the church is the temple of the Holy Spirit. There's also no spiritual leaders outside the church. The spiritual leadership is in the church. That's another reason why you should be a part of a local body. That's why the church is the steward of wisdom because spiritual leaders are in the church and there is no wisdom without spiritual leaders. There is no wisdom without spiritual leaders. I can tell you personally that whatever wisdom that I have, whatever wisdom that I have given to me by God, it has come as a ministry through the church. Either it's been a pastor or some spiritual leader whose book that I read that encouraged me, or it's been in the church where my pastors and my spiritual leaders and the people who are investing in me have helped me, or it's been examples in the church where people have shown me how to live out my faith, it has never just been me by myself figuring things out. The spiritual leadership that God has provided to build up his people in wisdom is in the church. And that's what it says in the scriptures. So again, we go to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4. Listen to what it says. And he, this is the Lord Jesus, gave the apostles, he gave the prophets, he gave the evangelists, the shepherds and the teachers, Why? Why did he give all these to the church? It says he gave them to the church. These were gifts to the church. Church in the Valley has been given this gift, and other churches have been given this gift, right? Why did he give these things to us, these people to us? To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. There it is again, the knowledge of the Son of God. We have been given, spiritual leaders, to equip us and to build us up. Do you want to be built up? Do you want to be made strengthened? Look at what it says again. In in, in verse 12, it says, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. The reason why these gifts have been given is so that we as a church body can be built up by our spiritual leaders, by our spiritual leaders. And they equip us. Equip us to do the work that God has called us to do. And when we participate in a church and submit ourselves to spiritual authority, which God has ordained as a means by which you are going to get wisdom, it's going to come through the leaders. It's not just through the leaders, but it's going to come through the leaders. When you participate in the body, you are built up. She is built up. He is built up. They are built up. And then there's unity and unity and unity. And we all grow in our knowledge. We all get to know Jesus better. We get to know Jesus better as we're a part of a church. And knowing Jesus is wisdom because he rules heaven and earth. And he's always the most important person in the room. He's always the biggest factor to consider. He's always the person that we must please first and foremost. He has all the power. He's the one who can lock every door or unlock any door. And so pleasing him and knowing him is wisdom. And you grow in your knowledge of the Lord as you become more unified in the body of Christ, the local body of Christ, church in the valley, as you plug in and get more and more integrated. And as the pastors and the leaders do their job, we're equipped and we're built up and we all grow in wisdom. Do you want wisdom? We need a church because the pastors and the leaders are in the church. You also need the church. Because the brothers are in the church. The brothers are in the church. There is no wisdom without brothers and sisters. God has so composed the body that He will not give you wisdom unless you're in fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. He's not going to do it. There are no, uh, there are no, um, only children. You know, I'm an only child. Somebody says, I'm an only child. There are no only childs in the church. We are part of a huge family. And God has so decided that the way you're going to grow is in fellowship with your brothers and sisters. And when you cut off fellowship with your brothers and sisters, like that guy I was telling you about at the beginning who said, you know, I don't have to be a part of a church and I can just do it all myself. When you cut off fellowship, you don't have wisdom. You have darkness and folly. And here's what it says in Colossians 3.16. Listen to this. This is from the scriptures. Let the word of Christ dwell in you, the church, the body of Christ, church in the valley, church in the valley. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. In all wisdom, teach and admonish one another. Teach. Tell people what the word of God says. Tell them what they don't know. Admonish. Encourage with with an edge of challenge. I know you can do this. I know this is hard, but keep trusting God. Keep obeying God. Don't stop. Keep going. God will prove himself faithful to you. That's admonishing people. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. You need to be admonished. You need to be taught. I need to be admonished. I need to be taught. And that happens for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? As they admonish and teach me in wisdom in the church, the brothers are in the church, and you can't have wisdom without brothers and sisters. And then it goes on to say, in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, that's worship, corporate worship, as we sing the psalms together and songs and hymns with thankfulness in your heart to God, as we gather together and we worship the Lord on the Lord's day as a congregation and the word of God is preached and there's fellowship afterwards and there's fellowship during the week. And we're all singing praises to God, reminding ourselves of the goodness and faithfulness and power and love and glory of God, right? We're filling our hearts with courage because we're, we're thinking the truth about God. And then we go out into the week as missionaries to serve the, the Lord in our, you know, different lives. And then we come back together and worship God again. And we're encouraging and admonishing and teaching. This is, this is how we grow in wisdom, The brothers and sisters are in the church. There's no wisdom without the brothers and sisters. The church is the steward of wisdom. You see? You see why the church is so essential? You know, California, like other states, shut down. 2020, they had a list of essential businesses, and the church was not on it. The church is the most essential institution. Because the church is upstream from the state. And the church is upstream from commerce. And the church is upstream from Hollywood. And the church is upstream from Silicon Valley. The church is where the word of God is. It's where the wisdom's at. It is where the word of God is preached so that people can know how to live in a way that pleases God. So that God can teach you how to build a business that he's not going to knock down. Because that's what's happening in our country today. God is shaking America. Shaking, shaking, shaking this country. So that all those things that are not built on the foundation, which is Jesus Christ. Remember Jesus said... That anyone who builds their life on me, on this foundation, the wind will come and the rains will, will, the storm will rise and the the wind and the, the water will bang against the house, but it will not fall. Everything that's not built on the foundation of Jesus Christ is going to come crashing down as the earthquake shakes America. And that's what you're seeing all around us. Institution after institution, leader after leader, situation by situation, you're seeing things all falling apart. But that's because they weren't built on the word of God. And every part of life is to be built on the Word of God, from your family, to your business, to your church, to your city, to your little league team. The Word of God is to be infused and obeyed and incorporated into all of it, because He is God. And when everything is built on something else, and things are fine, and there's sunny skies, nobody notices. But when the earthquakes come, and COVID comes, and all these other things come that start to shake the ground, those things not built on Christ, they crumble. Our world needs wisdom to build on a true foundation. And who gives that wisdom? God. How? Through his word, through his son, through his spirit. And where do you find those things? In the church. In the church. And then the church goes out into the world and builds to the glory of God. That's where the wisdom is found. I got a little detour there. I got to preaching. But I'm going to get back to my main point, which was the brothers in the church Here's something else. In 1 John 3, 14, it says, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. A lot of you may have questioned whether or not you're truly a Christian because you have sin that's unrepented of, unconfessed. You have a habitual sin in your life, and you know it. Nobody else knows it, or maybe a few people know it. And you think to yourself, am I really a Christian? I mean, do Christians Christian sin like this over and over and over and over again? I mean, how do I know that I'm really a Christian? You're, you're struggling with assurance. Am I really, truly born again? Am I really been adopted into God's family? Is this sin going to cut me off from God? Or maybe you're just not sure. You have a very, very sensitive conscience, and you're just always concerned that maybe or maybe you're just not a Christian. I don't know. This is a question that people ask all the time. And perhaps you're not asking this question. And, and you know, um, that's a great thing, right? I mean, if you're living in just open rebellion and habitual sin with no repentance and no sense of remorse, then you, you maybe might want to be asking that question. But, you know, Uh, You you don't want to have an overly sensitive conscience. But there are people who do, and especially when you first become a Christian. I remember when I first became a Christian, I was asking this all the time. Where do I find assurance? I mean subjective assurance. So the word of God tells me if you confess with your mouth Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We looked at that last week. Right? And so I'm saying Jesus is Lord. He's my Lord and Savior. When I when I see sin in my life, I confess it. But you might still have this lingering sense. Like, it's not an internal, subjective confidence that you feel. Well, the book of 1 John was written for this very thing. Other things, too, but especially this, to give assurance to the believers that they really were born again, adopted in the family of God. They really were Christians. And one of the tests that you use to know that you should be assured that you have been born again is your love for the brothers. That's what I just read you, 1 John three fourteen. It says, we know that we have passed out of death into life. We know that we've been born again. We know that we've been saved. We know that we're God's children. We know that we are his forever. We know that because we love the brothers. Our fellowship with one another, our love for one another, our our hospitality and acceptance and our care and our forgiveness and our admonishing, our participating in church in the valley is one of the strongest assurances that we belong to the Lord. Now, again, there are two things. There's the subjective internal experience I have, like my peace of mind. And then there is the objective, absolutely certain word of God. But just because you read it in the scriptures doesn't mean you feel it in your heart. Okay, it is true, but you may not feel it. And feeling it matters. You know, it it does matter. And so to assure you that you really are from death to life, look at your love for the brothers. Look at your love for the brothers. Only the adoption into the family of God would put you into a loving relationship with a crazy person like me. I mean, look at me. I'm loud, and I'm bald, and I'm intense, and you know, you may be different, and yet we love each other. Why? Because our Father is the same Father. We're brothers and sisters. And that's one of our assurances. Where do you get that assurance? In the church. Is that assurance a form of wisdom? You bet it is. There's no wisdom without the brothers. And the brothers are in the church. Last point, the reason why you should be a part of a church, the reason why the church, uh, the proof that the church is a steward of wisdom, is that the future is in the church. The future of this world is in the church. There's no wisdom in joining the losing side. There's no wisdom in joining the losing side. There's a war between two armies, and there's a losing side. There's no wisdom in joining the losing side. And we, who serve Christ, are going to win in him. We are going to inherit this earth. The Lord Jesus is the King of heaven and earth and every tongue will confess and every knee will bow and everyone will say, Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The church has been expanding over this globe for 2,000 years. Thousands upon thousands of people are being saved every single year and the church will grow and grow and grow. And yes, there'll be ups and downs and there'll be, it'll be like hiking a mountain where you go up and then you kind of go down and then you go back up again. But the church is the mustard seed kingdom. The church is the, the, the kingdom of God It's like a little bitty mustard seed that Jesus said. And then it grew and it grew and it grew until it became the biggest tree in the whole garden. It's like a little bit of leaven that you put into dough and it slowly works itself through the entire dough. The church that you're a part of, the church of Jesus Christ, is going to continue to grow and advance because God intends to save this world. For God loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Right? God loves the world. He wants to save the world. And there are millions upon millions upon millions of people who are going to be saved. And our church is a part of that. That's the future. The future is not in self-worship, worshiping selfie. The future is not in worshiping the state. The future is not in chasing after worldly passions. America can come and go, but the church and the kingdom of God, they're not the same thing, but there's an overlap. The people of God are continuing to grow and advance and advance over this globe. That's our future hope. Jesus says in Matthew 16:18 through 19 to Peter, he says, I tell you, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. Jesus, Peter had just said, you are the son of God. He had just confessed that Jesus is the son of God. And Jesus said, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loosen on earth shall be loosened in heaven. Jesus has all the keys. He can unlock every door. He can lock any door. And he has given these keys to the church. He has said that the gates of hell, the gates of hell, right, which have imprisoned entire nations of people, those gates cannot prevail against us. We're going to knock those gates down as we go and disciple the nations. We win. Or should we say he wins and we win with him? The future is in the church. And that's why in Revelation 21, the Bible, it ends with, And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. All of the people of God, the church, the entire company of every son and daughter of Christ, of God, coming down from heaven as a bride, the new Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem is the church, the people of God, coming down to the earth from heaven. Those who have died and gone before coming down from heaven to the earth to rule and reign on this redeemed earth forever and ever with our king. That's where the story ends. You can read it in Revelation 21. So why is it wise to be a part of the church? The future is in the church. The church is a steward of wisdom. We as a church have a central and incredibly important role to play in every generation. And if you're a part of the church, that's fantastic. If you're watching this and you have not yet joined in, fully joined in, become a member, participated fully in Church in the Valley, pull in. Or find a church where you can. Because the wisdom of God is being poured out into this world through his church. The mission of Church in the Valley is to invite our neighbors to discover Christ through his life-changing community. We want to invite our neighbors to discover Christ through his life-changing community. And we want to encourage you to join that life-changing community. There are a couple steps you can take. First, you may want to become a member of Church in the Valley. And if you'd like to know more about membership, you can let us know by filling out the digital connection card. Number two, make a commitment to weekly Sunday worship. Gather with all of the people of God in person on Sunday, on the Lord's Day, so that we could go before the throne of God and worship corporately together. This is one of the ways that God encourages us. And as we worship God in heaven, he advances his kingdom on earth. Number three, join a group. Or if you're in a group, practice hospitality. And do this in 2022. In 2022, in February of 2022, the first week of our new groups will begin. We'll be promoting groups in January of 2022. And I want to encourage you to join a group. And practice hospitality. Love your brothers and sisters. Get to know them. Teach and admonish and pray and encourage. This is how wisdom grows in you. Number four, join a team or serve at Church in the Valley. If you're interested in joining a team, we're going to be moving into a new permanent building uh, the 1st of December. There's lots of work to do beforehand. There's going to be all sorts of opportunities to serve in this new location. If you want to be part of that, it's very exciting, then sign up on the connection card. Number five, attend a learning environment in 2022. In the year 2022 and coming up next year, um, there'll be several learning environments that you can come to. We'll be teaching what the Bible says about different parts of life. And I want to encourage you now, to go to those, because when you go to these learning environments provided by the Lord through the leaders at the church, you grow in wisdom. All right. I hope this has encouraged you. I'd like to finish with some prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We pray that you would glorify your son in our lives through our church. We pray that you add people to Church in the Valley, that you'd grow us in wisdom, unity, and love. We pray that you'd apply this word to our hearts where we need in the name of Jesus. Amen.